you're planning on working out, or if you're listening to us right now while working out, it might be shocking for you to find out you're a neo-Nazi. MSNBC compares fitness to right-wing extremism, while Megan Rapino gives her swan song to the league that she's hoping to destroy with her transgender ideology. We have a financial news minute. New CPI inflation numbers are out, while the federal deficit is tripling. What that means for you, President Biden has activated troops to Europe. Aha, uh-huh, that's happening. Take a breath, CNN man. has misgendered Dylan Mulvaney. Dun, dun. And Dylan Mulvaney has had to flee to a foreign country. Action packed. What does that mean? We'll find out today on the Palmetto Family Matters Show. As you can tell, there is a lot to get to. Mitch Prosser, Justin Hall, Friday edition of the Palmetto Family Matters Show, the fastest growing and strongest conservative talk show in the state of South Carolina. It is Friday, and thank God it is, July 14th in the year of our Lord, 2023. It is 9.36 a.m. as of the time of this recording. I've already said year of our Lord, 2023. Oh, did I miss it? it. You missed it. It's fine. Pathetic. Need a new endpoint. All right, so... I was wondering, I was waiting on the ding and it never came. I'm so enthralled with this story. We're on show number four of the week and he's feeling it. So, uh, oh, by the way, another update. Uh, President Biden is forgiving the student loan debt of like 800,000 Americans. Uh, Congratulations. I mean, congratulations. Thought that wasn't. Anyway, $39 billion. Fitness. Now, some people, when they hear fitness, they think about fitting this whole pizza in my mouth. And, and we, by the way, this story is not predicated on the idea that either one of us are like fitness gurus, And if you can't tell. Well, I mean, I, I did go to the gym yesterday, and I worked out the day before. Well, I mean, I, I, I'll go for a jog, but I mean, I, I'm, I'm, yeah. Cynthia Miller Idris, this, this article, full disclosure, came out a year ago, mm. but MSNBC tweeted it out earlier this week. It appears... The far right has taken advantage of pandemic at-home fitness trends to expand its decade-plus radicalization of physical mixed martial arts and combat sports spaces. Initially lured with health tips and strategies for positive physical changes, new recruits are later invited to closed chat rooms where far-right content is shared. So, if you work out... You're a Nazi. The intersection of extremism and fitness leans into a shared obsession with the male body. Training. Masculinity. Testosterone. Strength. And competition. Now, if you're a married man, I would like to believe that your wife enjoys you caring about your body and training and masculinity and testosterone and strength. And even competition. Because it might shock leftists to know this, Mitch. Men are actually wired to be masculine. And filled with testosterone. But that's toxic? Physical fitness training, especially in combat sports, appeals to the far right for many reasons, Mitch. Do you want to hear these reasons? All right. Fighters are trained to accept significant physical pain. Okay. Listen. Listen. You get a good pump in. Chest day, arm day, leg day is the worst, but it's possible. You get it. You feel good. Like it hurts, but you're like, I have accomplished something. I have stretched my body to its limits. I have pushed myself to do something harder. 
accept physical pain. To be warriors. Well, again, I I mean, I, I don't want to sound Christian nationalist or anything, but um, like read the Bible. Oh, mighty men of God. Like, I... Swing your wa- sword. I was waiting on you to. Oh, I could, I could have, I could have, I could have dipped in. I could have dipped in, but I didn't. And this is just- one more to embrace messaging around solidarity, heroism, and brotherhood because all of those are terrible things. Camaraderie is an antiquated notion, and apparently, in these circles, it is championed as a tool to help fight the coming race war. What? And the street battles that will precede it. You know what? This I was in the gym. Article? I was in the gym the other day. You were jogging on the treadmill. No, and no, thought. listen. No, listen. No, listen. I had I had just gotten done doing uh, a tricep exercise. Triceps are, are vastly are, un- where, underrated. I don't right. Okay. Okay, cool. Got it. Um you just get done with the tricep. And, and and no joke, a guy literally came up to me and was like, Hey, in the back room back here, we are putting on our clan hoods and we're talking about the coming race war. Would you like to join us? And I was like, nah, bro, I'm not a racist. That doesn't happen. It's not real. I'm sorry. That's not happening. It okay. It might in like the point zero 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 two percent. It is as common as people who are actually transgender. <clears throat> we might get pulled off of YouTube. Recruits are encouraged to link this individual is- moral virtues such as willpower, decisiveness, and courage. Yeah. With desired collective traits such as virility and manliness. <laughs> this also works in reverse, with white supremacists encouraging potential recruits or activists to stay in good physical shape as a way of managing self presentation to the public. The neo Nazi blogger Andrew Anglin advised his followers that fat people should be required to commit to losing weight if they are to stay involved with the group what? or in person gatherings because continued obesity should not be tolerated. Time out. Yeah, sure. Time out. Just a couple of years ago. Now, and I understand we've done this whole thing with fat shaming, and, you know, I'm a bigger guy, and I I get a little frustrated with the, oh, you're fat, you can't move. A couple of years ago, (laughs) I'm old enough to remember when... Oh, he pulled it. Certain mayors of cities and governors of states required that calorie counts be put on menus, that a big gulp couldn't be sold in a 7-Eleven because it was just too much... Soda or sugar or whatever. And the government was enforcing these standards. Now, so if you go to a restaurant, you'll get a calorie count beside nearly every menu item. And and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. But what we're doing now is saying all of those people who care about fitness and who care about your health and who care about... They're neo-Nazis. With recruitment, Extremists. With recruitment now moving from physical gyms to chat rooms, live-streamed fights, tournaments, festivals, and even combat sports video games. That's right. Here we go. Back to the video games thing again. What is this, 1997? We're seeing extremist fighting culture being combined with an entertainment culture that already valorizes violence and hypermasculinity. What is your definition of hypermasculinity? And secondly, valorizes violence? I'm sorry. Are you the same network that, uh, you know... I mean, there are some fires burning, but overall, it's mostly peaceful. Mostly peaceful protests, while pallets of bricks are being distributed along major corridors on the... Tell me about valorizing peaceful violence. Peaceful protest 
route. Tell me about valorizing violence. Yeah, we're in trouble today. Fitness, of course, is a staple and a hobby for many people for whom it is enjoyable and rewarding for both brain health and overall well-being. Physical fitness channels dopamine, adrenaline, and serotonin in ways that literally feel good. Intertwining these feelings with hateful and dehumanizing ideas while promoting the concept that physical warriors are needed to create strength and dominance to defend one's own people from a perceived enemy makes for a dangerous and powerful cocktail of radicalization. So the runner's high is leading more people down the funnel of neo-Nazis. I mean, we could, if we are, if we if we extrapolate, okay. for those of us working to find better pathways to reach at-risk youth, understanding the ways that far-right groups recruit and socialize youth in ways that go, you know, who we know what's more popular right now than right-wing groups radicalizing youth. Wait for it. Street gangs radicalizing youth. You know the problem we have in downtown Columbia or in the in Richland County with gang violence. It's kind of high. Yeah. It is crucial. Don't watch live PD tonight or whatever it's called. On patrol live. On patrol live. It's critical that leaders, including parents, physical trainers, gym owners, coaches, and others in the fitness world, understand how online grooming, wait, what? And recruitment can intersect with spaces that we generally think of as promoting health and well-being. The realm of online fitness now provides a new and ever-expanding market for the reaching and radicalizing of young men, and it requires our targeted focus and resources to try and stop cycle. She is an author, by the way, Cynthia Miller Idris. Is an author and an expert on extremism. Expert on extremism. I don't know what that means. However, I will say this. I believe that the left is constantly trying to conveniently alter the things we view in Western society. They have worked to change the way buildings are constructed. I uh, used to walk downtown. I mean, we're, we're right across the street from one of the most, most beautiful churches in the downtown Columbia area. Um, you don't see buildings like that anymore. Water fountains don't. <laughs> I mean, look at a water fountain from 1882. Look at a street light in night in the early 1900s, and look at them now. Uniformity, uniformity, blandness. These are the same people that will convince you that being X number of pounds and and chugging Big Macs every day is it, it's fine, it's healthy. When in reality, it's like like it's not healthy. And I'm not here to throw off on your health. I don't care. The point is, you do whatever you want to do. You want to eat that Big Mac? Eat that Big Mac. Just run 12 miles after. The point is, we are allowed to make our own health decision. If presented with all the facts, you choose to not do something, that's your prerogative. This is America. Do what you want. If you choose to exercise, eat healthily, invest your time because you know why it is an outlet that you feel better you're not doing anything destructive unless you tear a muscle you're not doing anything destructive you're not hurting your body you're not damaging your body you're actually strengthening your heart your lungs your muscles your brain but they're going to tell you that it's wrong or that it could lead to radicalization speaking of radicalization This from Time Magazine. Headline, front cover, the champion. Now, it's it's an athlete, Mitch. Who is the champion? Who's the champion athlete on the cover of Time Magazine? Of of this generation, or are we talking like... The champion is the title. Well, you've already already told me who it is through all of the last several days of leading up to this. True. Better say her name right. So it's Megan Rapinoe. Rapinoe. Because the 2023 Women's World Cup is starting 
next Thursday, I'm, July twentieth. I don't. I, I don't know. I don't really care. Paris, um, I think. Megan Rapino fights for equality and a third title. Megan Rapino thrives on noise. Most athletes strive to be in the zone, that state of quiet mental focus, enabling players to block out the cheers and jeers of stadium crowds. Rapino, however, takes it all in. I'm hearing the crowds. I'm hearing the fans. I'm sorry. Australia and New Zealand. Nice. Cool. Every time I go over for a corner kick, I'm like, hey, what's going on here? Well, that shows somebody who really just is too focused on what other people think about her. Rapino's embrace of commotion has defined her career. She's one of the most talked about American athletes of our time. Why is that? Why is that? Because she constantly inserts herself into a five foot seven whirling dervish of resistance. Whirling, whirling dervish, dervish. <laughs> I like it. of resistance who Create. depending on whom you ask, is either an unapologetic symbol of on field excellence, okay, an off field progress, or a disrespectful heel. Or if misogyny or homophobia is your bag, then worse. More than a decade ago, she came out as gay. So, in, it's 2023. So, in 2010, Megan Rapino comes out as gay. Champion. Since then, many other female sports figures have gave them permission to be more open about their sexuality. No one cares. She has since worked tirelessly as an advocate for the LGBTQ plus community. She's the brightest athletic star currently leading a fight against the proliferation of state ban- laws that ban transgender youth from playing on teams consistent with their gender identity. Rapino also knelt in solidarity with Colin Kaepernick and led a protracted but ultimately successful battle against her own soccer federation to ensure equal pay. After Donald Trump criticized her, she scored a goal against France and now struck an iconic pose that reminded the then-president and her vociferous critics that she's going absolutely nowhere. And last year, Joe Biden awarded her the Presidential Medal of Freedom, the country's highest civilian honor. She's the first soccer player to be so recognized. Rapino is entering her fourth and final World Cup. There it is, Dual Nations of Australia and New Zealand. And it promises to be the best attended and most viewed women's sporting event in history. She also announced just a few days ago that she's retiring at the end of the 2023 NWSL season. From her, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Megan Rapino is, um, she's a good soccer player. You don't get on a national team if you're not. Is that fair? Uh, yeah. And once fair. every four years, Americans care about soccer again for a brief fleeting time, whether it's the Women's World Cup or the Men's World Cup. Mm-hmm. I usually don't watch it, until after the group stage. It's a growing sport. It's a growing sport. I'm not here to throw off on soccer. There's plenty of my family who love it. But here's my problem with Rapino, and here's where we get right here. From her earliest days, Rapino was a tempestuous force. She grew up in Redding, California, a remote pocket of red in deep blue California, some 140 miles north of Sacramento. Her father, Jim, worked as a building contractor. Her mother, Denise, was a waitress at Jack's Grill, a local statehouse for 36 years. She just retired on June 30th. When she was convinced she needed something and my parents wouldn't give it to her, she would hold her breath until she passed out, says her twin sister, Rachel. So she was a brat. Anybody? Yeah. Anybody? I, I mean, I'll go. She's doing the same thing. She's doing the same thing now, like pitching a fit because of equal pay stuff. Like, listen, the whole equal pay argument, the gender wage gap is a myth. It's not real. It's just not. Women typically take positions in different fields of work than men, which create different pay rates. And secondly, when we're talking about sports, it's a capitalistic society. Um, you are paid what you bring in. 
or the or the the percentage of what you bring in. So bring in more, you make more. It's not yard, that hard. Yard barker, uh, familiar. Mm-mm. Okay, it's uh, apparently a um, it's a sports sports website? website. Okay, best female soccer U.S. female soccer players of all time. Mia Ham. Mia Ham is number. Is she number one? One, I think. One? Hold on, let me check. Wait for it. Yes, Mia Ham number Abby one. Abby Wambach number two. Number two, and Hope Solo is up near there. Oh nope, Christine, Christine Lilly, Lilly, Michelle Akers, Carly, Carly Lloyd. Lloyd. Yep. Hope Solo number six. Where is uh, in the top? Julie Fowdy should be on there. Julia Fowdy should be on there. She's number seven. Okay. Um, Christine Pier- Christy Pierce, remote. Ram- Rampone. Uh, yeah. yeah uh, Christy Rampone. Who is who? Where is uh? Rapino? Rapino. Where's the this. list on this? It, what does it go through? 10? Top 20. Top 20? 12th? 15th. Really? Yep. She's the 15th best. That's because... Ever. And like, I, that's she's something. the most vocal. I mean, that's something. Sure. But, whatever. But when's the last time Mia Hamm was like, hey, wait a second. Here's the problem. When's the Here's last the time Hope Solo was like, hold on just a... Well, she probably shouldn't have beat up her husband. Anyway, the point is... Megan Rapino goes on. I'm not going to bore you with the entire Time article because we do have a lot to get to today. The point is that Megan Rapino, as she moves on from playing women's soccer, where women play soccer, she's advocating for transgenders in women's sports, which means men playing sports. Now, that means that the 15-year-old boy could, could, could go out for the girls' team and take a spot away from a girl on the high school team, which is interesting that I say 15-year-old boy because just a couple years ago, a high school team beat the women's U.S. women's and team. And Rapino said that was going to happen. She understood that was going to happen because they're different. So you're a champion, but you're championing the very demise of your own By the way, sport. Bleacher Report, mm-hmm. she gets an honorable mention. She's not even in the top ten. Ooh. Which well, is honorable what mention the, yeah. would put her on 15-ish. Yeah, yeah. All right, financial news. We need to talk financial news. Boom, boom, oh. boom, boom. <laughs> Here's the positive and uplifting portion of the show. Oh, NPR gave me a whole title page. The federal government's deficit nearly tripled in the first nine months of the fiscal year, a surge that's bound to raise concerns about the country's rising debt levels. The Treasury Department said Thursday that the budget gap from October through June was nearly $1.4 trillion, a 170% increase from the same period a year earlier. The shortfall adds to an already large federal debt, estimated at more than $32 trillion. Financing that debt is increasingly expensive as a result of rising interest rates. Interest payments over the last nine months reached six. dollars Hundred and fifty-two billion dollars in nine months. We paid six hundred fifty-two billion dollars on interest. Yes, interest. Uh, there, there's a reason why government spending jumped ten percent. Spending on major health care programs such as Medicare and Medicaid rose mm-hmm. sharply. Social Security payouts jumped eleven percent. That's in part due to an eight point seven percent cost of living increase for mm-hmm. retirees and other recipients. That was the largest increase in nearly four decades. Yep. The government has also paid fifty-two billion dollars to cover deposits at three regional banks that failed this spring. So, what does all this mean for you? I don't know. Uh, it, it it means Nothing. that it means that uh, we are entering into a uh, financially uncertain time. The the article um, and the if you choose to listen or 
uh, read, the article walks through a few different reasons why um, the deficit tripled in the first three quarters of the fiscal year. One of those uh, is the cost of borrowing money just exponentially grew because of uh, inflation, mm-hmm. uh, rising, as you said, rising health care costs. So, you know, I, I don't know that we can blame it on old people and the balloon of the high, the, the highest population uh, in, in decades of people in retirement. Right. But it is worth noting that a lot of this is going to push toward stagflation, where wages stagnate and inflation continues to rise in the price of goods. Uh, interest rates continue to rise, and I don't think we're uh, going to see that. And, and I, I know you mentioned it—the eight point seven percent cost of living, uh, the cost of living adjustment for retirees. I, you know, I, I don't know that that's much different for those outside of retirement. You know, for you and I, um, and we've talked about this over and over again: mm-hmm. the price of eggs, cost of a gallon of milk or a gallon of gas. Um, all those things are influenced, the, and and they're interinfluenced. You know, uh, milk rises because gas rises, gas rises because grain rises. Grain rises because, and so, and because we have ethanol on our gas, and and then the importation of goods because we won't drill, baby, drill. All of that uh, has has a negative impact on the consumer. In this case, right. you. So if you're thinking about buying a house right now, if you're thinking about um, what it looks like to get a raise at work, I I think there was a report last week that only uh, around four, four and a half percent of people actually saw a raise. I'm sorry, a raise. Mm -hmm. Things are just really hard to say. (laughs) Uh, So for the four and a half to five percent of you that got a raise, congratulations. We're pumped. We're excited for you. But the rest of the workforce in the last year has not seen a, even a cost of living raise. And for most people, they say 3.1% is the average cost of living increase year over year over a seven-year period. Uh, and, and so we right now when we're at an 87 cost of living adjustment, that obviously that's yeah. outkicking the coverage. Uh, it's beating the average over seven years. Uh, and by the way... That that number, uh, if, if I'm doing the math right, should double after three years, not after seven, uh, which is pretty cons- – no, after five years, not over, uh, after three. I'm sorry. So that that's really concerning, um, and I, I think we've got to pay attention to this. It, let me just say it this way. There are certain factors, circumstances, that are outside of anyone's control. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, natural disasters, acts of God, calamitous things, you know. Things your insurance policy has. Famine, death, all of those things. And I'm not making light of any of those. But I will say this, and I will say this clearly and boldly, and I will say it twice. Elections have consequences. When we elect people who have no succinct plan to rescue or save. And by the way, I don't know that you can do either one of those to an economy, but you can bolster it by creating private sector jobs, not public sector jobs, not government jobs. Elections have consequences. And if we want to pull out of this morass, this this terrible place that we're in as a nation economically and 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 i'm not saying we can influence the world economy but i'll tell you this and we've talked about this a little bit off this show uh, no one no one really and and i know that dollar is still strong it's still the world reserve currency no one is looking at america right now and saying that beacon of light that shining city on a hill those are callbacks to 
your guy, um, from the 80s. No one's doing that anymore. No one's looking at America. And, and then maybe maybe the world is still looking at America and saying uh, they're a last vestige of hope when it comes to economic uncertainty. Mm-hmm. But that's really quiet. And you know, there's a, if, if, if the rest of the world's looking at us right now, we're sorry. The CPI, Consumer Price Index Report, came out on Wednesday showing that we have hit a low point of inflation, which is interesting to say the least, core inflation, which takes some things into account but removes Around food three, and energy. 3%. Yeah, yeah, 4.8% um, year over year, which is the lowest since it's, October it, come of 2021. On, it's, just, it's just like, it's like, it's like pennies. It's, um, the problem is uh, you're, you're getting good numbers there, 4.8% year over year, which is the lowest since 2021, which tells you all you need to know about the economy's uh, situation since October of 2021. But that's not going to make interest rates go down because as you pointed out off, off the show, uh, the trigger for the Fed to decrease or it's around three is is around three. So the Fed's going to continue to raise interest rates ever so slightly. We're about to hit the point where wages are not rising, inflation is. Wages cannot keep up with the inflationary and, and that's cut, the, and that's the definition of stagflation. That's it. And we're going to uh, again now. There's one way to boost an economy. Happened in 1941, 1942. War. Now, I'm not advocating for that. No, I don't think anyone's doing that. However, Joseph R. Biden yesterday is it yesterday? Yeah, yesterday, Operation Atlantic Resolve. Operation Atlantic Resolve, the president is activating the armed forces of the United States for the effective conduct of Operation Atlantic Resolve in and around the United States European Command's area of responsibility. Not to exceed 3,000 soldiers. So we're going to send 3,000, uh, 3,000-ish soldiers over, or military personnel over to because soldiers or army, uh, we're going to send three thousand military personnel. Peacekeep. I'm sure it's just peacekeeping. Maybe they're going to be like riding desks and doing individual ready work. reserve. Um, yeah, the IRR yep. uh, selected reserve and yep. the IRR not not to exceed. I think it was four hundred and fifty. The IR uh, four hundred fifty. The IR, but yep. we're moving reserve to active duty. We're ramping up forces. You know, we don't have a lot of forces to ramp up, so we have to question force readiness right now. And, you know, I get mixed reports on what force readiness looks like. And if you're not familiar, force readiness is what it would take for the armed forces of the United States of America to actively spin up into a wartime environment. I get I get a lot of different. I'm not even give give you any numbers that I get from different people. Um, what I'm what I'm concerned about and, and the you know, no one has a crystal ball to predict the future unless you are actively preparing for something. Mm hmm. Is this a precursor to more troops, or is this just a peacekeeping force? And you know, Clinton did the same thing in Serb, uh, not uh, yeah, Bosnia, Serbia, Sarajevo in the nineties. Um, we we tried to maintain a peacekeeping force in Afghanistan until um, you know August of what, what, August twenty twenty one when one of the most botched failed. Uh, Exfiltration uh, of American forces in the history of human civilization or American history. Uh, so, what I'm concerned about here is maybe 
how Putin is going to take a look at this. Uh, and the proxy war may be getting closer to hot. And and boots on the ground is not necessarily what this is. No. Um, but it is concerning. We shall see where it goes. I won't give you any more opinion on that. I'll, I'll, I'll soapbox really quickly. What I'm concerned about, and I know that he sent this token force, and I'm not picking on the people that are down at the southern border, but he sent this token force down to the southern border to mitigate risk and limit the pop, limit the illegal border crossings, that sort of thing. Uh, you know, Charlie Kirk pointed this out. We're sending 3,000 of our finest men and women halfway around the world to secure a border that isn't our own. Yes. The Ukrainian border has always been more important than the southern border of the Biden administration. And I don't know about you, and I'm going to go from bad to worse, but we're positive and uplifting today. Um, illegal finance operations are happening at the southern border. Yes. Okay. Illegal Financing people. Drugs. Illegal drug operations are happening at the southern border. And human trafficking is happening at the southern border. Yes. So financial trafficking, illegal. Drug trafficking, obviously illegal. And human trafficking, not obviously only illegal, illegal. but despicable, mm -hmm. is happening at the southern border. Yes. And our solution is to send 3,000 of our country's Finest men and women, halfway around the world, to protect a sovereign border of a country that, while I, I love the people of Ukraine, and you know, I, I think it's important for, I think we're getting into, into not or, or into containment here. Well, the issue that we have here is they have a leader who has who has gone after a religious portion of the society. Saying that they harbor Russian um, support. Yes, that's wrong. The Eastern Orthodox he or the shut, he Russian shut down. Orthodox he church. shut down one of their churches um, because he believes that the soul of Ukraine is at stake. That's weird and dictatory. And then on top of that, word is they're not going to have any elections until the war is over. Well, that's convenient. Why? I mean, again, I just help me. I, again, I appreciate the people of Ukraine. They're gods. They're made. They're they're image bearers as much as I'm an yeah. image bearer, and they deserve they deserve freedom and and liberty as does everybody in this world. Uh, the 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 problem I have with that is at some point when you're running a country, you have to care about the country that you're running, not the country that helped you finance your son's paintings. But I will go back. I will go back to what. Um, president Obama in his world apology tour, as soon as he was elected president back in 08, he went on this world apology tour and basically said, we're going to transform the way the world looks at America. That's happening. That's happening right here, right now. You know, uh, we are, and, and, and we have been all about world peace, like miss America since like 1899. I can go back to the Spanish-American War and talk about the good that America has done. Even before that, I, I can, you know, ending the slave trade, I can go through a lot of different things that America has done. But, and, and I know that someone's going to say I'm a populist or I'm a nationalist or whatever. If we don't exist as a country, if we don't exist as a sovereign nation, then we can't do good for the rest of the world. If, if, and by the way, compulsory charity isn't charity. Oh, yeah, we're being held over a barrel. Yeah. 
if, if we want of dollars if, if we want to do good for the world around us, yeah. that needs to be out of the goodness and truly charitable portion of our heart as a wealthy people. And I will say that clearly. We are a wealthy people as, a, as Americans. But if we are held over a barrel, whether it's our tax dollars, public money, yeah. you're gonna you're gonna fund cluster bombs. I don't want to. Mm. You're gonna you're gonna protect the border of the Ukraine. I don't want to against Russia. Well, I might want to, and maybe 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 that it. should happen. Yeah. But I I would say yeah. that if we're not careful, our southern and northern borders will be one of the things that leads to our demise. Well, so we'll we'll continue to track that troop movement uh, as it goes. We go now to my favorite story of the day: the zebra. Let's 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 go to, you know what? Just real quickly, CNN ran a story about the Bud Light backlash. Oh, here's but wait, there's that, more. Here's that story from CNN. We even talked to a bar in Chicago. One bar was telling us basically they're re- they're not going to serve it because they don't like the way Dylan Mulvaney was treated after this whole controversy started. He courses the transgender uh, person they were going to. Uh, uh, sponsor and go along with with Bud Light. They didn't like how Bud Light didn't stand by him after all this. It, Ryan, it's it's really interesting and great that you got the temperature um, from people you're talking to. It's one of the, it's the culture it's war. Something. It's the culture wars. It's a tough um, time. Yeah, it it's is. a tough time. Ryan Young, it was a great story. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining. Did you get it? The CNN reporter called Dylan Mulvaney he. Now, this isn't breaking news to any of us because Dylan Mulvaney is, in fact, a man. A man. A biological male created by God as a male. But CNN, CNN had to apologize because if you don't apologize for misgendering someone, you will be thrown into the outer darkness where there is wailing and gnashing of teeth. And so in order to avoid that, CNN had to issue an on-air mea culpa. Before we wrap up today, we do want to make an important note. Yesterday in a segment about transgender influencer Dylan Mulvaney, who was featured in Bud Light's recent campaign, she was mistakenly referred to by the wrong pronoun. And CNN aims to honor individuals' ways of identifying themselves, and we apologize for that error. We're so sorry. We we didn't mean to. We we didn't mean to. <laughs> So don't hurt here's, us. Here's the irony of that story. They're covering Bud Light. Yes. Saying Bud Light did this. I almost made myself cry. And then Bud Light did this. Yep. They featured Mulvaney on a can. Yep. Then they did this. They took him off the can. Yes, I, I said him. They took him off the can. And then... The backlash, you're in a catch-22. You're damned if you do, damned if you don't. If you left him on the can, Bubba and normal people aren't going to buy your product. And if you take him off, now bars in Chicago aren't going to give Bud Light the time of day because they didn't stand beside Dylan Mulvaney. And then they go and do the very same thing. They slip up. I would argue that they told the truth, you know, your slip is showing. They they tell the truth and then they go back and say, "We just we really blew it. We we understand that he's a she they they them and they did the exact same thing. Here's the deal. Stand by what you say.
don't cave. Now, if you say something stupid, say you said something stupid and own it. And I'll be the first to admit, my wife would be the second. I have said a lot of stupid stuff in my life. I own it and I move past it. I'll say something stupid on this show at some point. I have in the past, and I've come on and said, "Listen, I misquoted a stat, you know, or or you know, I remember one specifically on telemedicine in South Carolina. Yes, and I said, you know, we don't have telemedicine in South Carolina. Own what you do, and CNN. It's like you know, we're going to wave the white flag of surrender before the battle's even been fought. Come on, people." And that's why no one respects people or organizations like Bud Light, CNN, uh, all these other organizations who kowtow to the pressure, whether it's real or not. They put the pressure on themselves. Don't bend to cancel culture. I think the NFL would bow to that too. Who knows? We should test we, that we, theory. We might find out. Well... But While more. Dylan Mulvaney is back in the United States, he was at an L.A. red carpet event. Don't go look up that picture. If Don't you go wonder look up, where look he up that went, picture. because I asked you yesterday, where has our favorite little girl, I mean, where's grown Elo- where's man, Eloise? where's Eloise? Been? Where has he been? Well, he went to Peru. There's a world-famous attraction there, Machu Picchu. Okay. And is that so, a, is that a um, character on? Well, no, okay. that's not a character from Pokemon. Okay, that's Pikachu. Okay, and like every like every self absorbed Gen Zer in the world today, Dylan felt the need to put the camera in his face. Again, this sounds weird coming from a person who talks into a camera, <laughs> uh, but I don't do this on my personal time. This is work time, <laughs> right? This is work time. Uh, here is Dylan Mulvaney giving us an update from the wonderful world of Peru. Hi, is this an okay time? Okay, surprise, I'm in Peru and I'm at Machu Picchu. Isn't this just so beautiful? Um, I'm here by myself and I used to do a ton of solo traveling. I'm telling you, it's the best. If you could ever do a solo trip somewhere, it is such a good way to get to know yourself better. Um, But I came here to feel something, you know what I mean? And I definitely have. I've done shaman ceremonies that were like 10 years worth of therapy. It was wild. Um, I've seen a lot of llamas and the people here are so kind. I feel very safe here. It's a little sad that I had to leave my country to feel safe, but that will get better eventually. And I am dying for some Trader Joe's rolled chili lime chips. But other than that, I am so content. Still haven't been kissed yet, but I'm holding out hope. And most of all, you know, this trip has just has me feeling like I'm my own best friend again. And that is the best feeling in the world. And I hope that you feel that way about yourself too. And I love you. Okay. Bye. Machu Picchu. Wow. Gorgeous. Love you. There are a couple things here. Number one, I, I don't know about you, but I would hate to solo travel. I don't hate on people who do. I think that's I, a... I don't mind it. I think that's a wonderful thing if you feel so inclined. The fact that he has to feel like his own best friend is sad. This is a person who sticks a camera in their face all the time to get views and calls themselves their own best friend. That's a person who's very lonely, and that's sad. Um, he wants to be kissed more than anything. I don't know by whom. I was trying to figure out if that's a reference to something. No. How, where do you, no. Why does that get inserted into your I think, TikTok video? I th- why not? 
That's cool. Also, also, he goes to Peru. If I'm walking Peru. down the street, I mean, pick pick a place. Pick a place for me to go solo travel. Istanbul. Istanbul, Turkey. I'm walking through the strait of whatever it was. <laughs> we were looking earlier at how Ukraine could get access to the Atlantic Ocean. That Beside the point. I'm walking through Istanbul, Turkey, and I shoot a video on TikTok, and I'm like, man, the minarets are amazing here, and I remember when Constantine gave this over, and I've never been kissed in Istanbul. What the heck does that have to do with the price of tea in Istanbul? Well, there was also a note that Mr. Mulvaney made that he feels safer in Peru than he does in the United States. In 2010, a poll revealed that just 8.3% of Peruvians approved of same-sex marriage. According to a Pew Research Center survey conducted in 2013, 14% approved of same-sex marriage. In 2017, 28% approved. That number has now gone to 49% who have a favorable opinion towards homosexuals, with 33% having an unfavorable opinion and 18% having a favorable opinion. The IEP, the Instituto de Estudios Peruanos, Thank you. The IEP poll also found that the percentage of people at odds with same-sex unions reduced from 51 to 40 percent. So it's changing. But however, one would argue that Peru's about on on the same same track as the United States. Now, he went to Machu Picchu. Uh, Is Machu Picchu one of the seven wonders? I think so. So it's a tourist attraction, of course. I totally get it. So is south of the border. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. Look at this place where they made human sacrifice. Isn't that great? They made human sacrifice there, and now I'm sacrificing my humanity. How great. I don't want to make fun of him. I think I already have. It's just... How sad. How sad. That the you you have altered your body in ways that you will never recover from. To seek... What you believe your heart wants. And remember, we talked about this yesterday, the heart being deceitfully wicked and desperately wicked. And yet, even with all of that, man, it's almost as if King Solomon is sitting here today saying vanities of vanities. All is vanity. It's meaningless. All of it's worthless. Pursuit of these things, apart from God, brings you nothing. The billionaire and the poverty and stricken person will feel the same way at the end of the day. They feel like they got nothing. That's sad. And I still wish the best for Mr. Mulvaney. Final thing on the show today, on this Friday, as we close up shop here on the week. Mitch, you know what time blindness is? Time blindness? I know what nose blindness is. I know what actual blindness is. Well, now, some people can't read an analog clock. Well, that's because they weren't taught in the first grade how to do it. Well, the Roman numerals make it difficult. The or that upside down seven that looks like a two, or the two that looks like a seven. That can get confusing. Hey, more on the Roman numerals on clocks later. Okay. Oh, 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 oh. time blindness. Thanks to our friends Libs of TikTok. If you want to know more about time blindness, here you go. So I just got yelled at for asking a very reasonable question. So I'm applying to go somewhere, and I just wanted to know: Are there accommodations for people who struggle with time blindness and being on time? You know, and then the person I was with interrupted and acted like I was asking something else. And then when we were done, they actually started yelling at me and saying that accommodations for time blindness doesn't exist. And if you struggle with being on time, you'll never be able to get a job. 
you know, provided you're trying your absolute best to be there. And then they're like, your stupid generation wants to destroy the workplace. And yeah, I think that a culture where workers are just cut off because they struggle with being on time when there's other solutions that we can look to. I think that just anybody who thinks it's okay to just treat people like that. Yeah, that culture needs to be dismantled. And then I asked that person, how can you feel good about yourself upholding this kind of system? And then to think I'm entitled. No, if people think it's okay to treat others like this, I, that's entitlement. Digital, <laughs> digital clocks for the win. Time blind. So time blindness is just code for you're late and you don't know how to be on time. Here's the thing. Growing up, I was taught that five minutes early is on time. On time is late. Yeah. And if you're late, don't bother even showing up. Because when you are late, you're wasting other people's time. Right. Especially in a job situation. Selfishness. My time In a job, okay, course. so here's how my brain works. I knew that this morning I had a breakfast meeting at at 6.30 in the morning. Did you back plan? Yesterday afternoon, Mitch, get home, take the dog out. I'm 12 hours plus away mm-hmm. from this meeting, and I'm already thinking, okay, well, if I have that meeting at that time, that means I have to leave my house by this time, mm-hmm. which means I have to set aside time to do X, Y, and Z, which means that's going to take this much time, which means I need to wake up at this time. I was there four minutes early. Four. And and that is not to say if there was an unforeseen circumstance, there was bad traffic, you couldn't that's text diff- someone and say, that's hey. That's different. That's different. And if, in bigger cities, I understand that that happens often. But this is like. This is, I want to be late. My time is my own. I'm applying for a job, and you don't have control over my time. My time is my own, and I'm giving you part of it. Now, I lived on an island about the size of this table. And. There was something known as island time. Oh, I love island time. Which drove, like Senate time. Like church. When we would go to church, well, Senate time's a whole different beast. You'd go to church, and church would start at 11 a.m. on Sunday morning, whatever, 10 a.m. on Sunday morning. We'd start at 10.15 or 10.05 or 10.20, and that's just the way island time worked. I'm not going to disparage that. I'm not going to defend it. I'm going to say that this is absurd. Agreed. Representative Jeff Duncan of the good old congressional district in South Carolina quoted this tweet and said, "Watches curing time blindness since 1480." It's not that hard to read a clock, guys. It is not that hard. Did you know that if you have a digital watch like and mine is set to an analog um you can do this really cool thing with like um calendar reminders and alarm clocks and things like that so if you need to be up at six in the morning you could set the alarm if you're a snoozer for 555 and then snooze it once or you could you know just set it for six o'clock and then wake up and, you know, just a thought. As we wrap up this Friday edition of the show, we sound like a cranky old man. A little bit. Get off his lawn. We, we've had a lot of fun this week. We've had many shows this week. I'm thinking we might start doing these things every day because it's just fun. Plenty to talk about. Mitch is like, leave me out of it. 
Um, but that is because we're going to be away next week, so you won't have any show next week for the Palmetto Family Matters show. If you want to catch up on the ones you missed, you can do that. Go back and listen to Apple some Apple Podcasts, Spotify, they're all there. Every single show. Our website, our app has them as well, palmettofamily.org. If you want to sign up for our email newsletter list, you can do that, palmettofamily.org. Sign up for the newsletter there. You can in- click on the Invest tab there as well. You can invest in the work that we're doing. We appreciate your guys' support of the show, both on the audio platforms and on the digital uh, and the, on the video platforms. Really, really want to thank you for making this the fastest growing and strongest conservative talk show in the state of South Carolina. Without you, that doesn't happen. One final thing, guys. We'll talk about it next week. Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, uh, based on a German princess. Um, the new Disney live-action Snow White has a Hispanic Snow White, and the Seven Dwarves include six full-grown adults. And they're no longer dwarves. They're magical beings. Mystical, magical creatures. Because Stereotypes. Uh, Short people. <laughs> Peter Dinklage Short people. has a lot to say about this. Short people. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you He's so much for elf. tuning in every single day with us this week. We've had a lot of fun doing it, and we hope that you have walked away educated or at the bare minimum, and probably the bare minimum, just entertained. And we appreciate you taking the time and making us a part of your day, whatever you're doing. We appreciate it. If you're working out, try not to work out so hard, you'll turn into a neo-Nazi. So we will see you as the plan is currently set on Monday July 24th. Wow. Enjoy next week. Without I us. know we will. And we'll see you all back here on Monday, July 24th. From Mitch Prosser and our entire staff at Palmetto Family, this is Justin Hall. Thank you so much for watching and listening to the fastest growing conservative talk show in the state of South Carolina, the Palmetto Family Matters Show.